0: This is how men think with Brooks like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Brooks Like, and this is How Men Think, a podcast where we discuss a wide range of topics with educated and enlightened gentlemen, like well, and also Dimitri and Ryan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Dimitri, we have Rick, we have Ryan. Good sirs, how are you doing today? Doing well.
2: Fantastic! Thank you for
1: asking. Means a lot. Yeah. Also, I know that Ryan's feeling really good because he has a story that he wants to tell. So we've a lot of our discussions, even off mic, are about like doctor questions and health and uh, physicality, just health matters in general. And then Ryan has an epic story that he wants to tell, and so he's sitting here happy as a clam. He's really gloating because he knows and Amy even said it's an epic story. Is it really an epic story? Uh, No, Don't tee it up like that if
2: it's not. I never said it was an epic story. When you build it up like that it puts a lot of pressure on me. Yeah and now you have to deliver. That's the standard of this show.
1: Figure out how to make it epic. Go. Yes figure out how to make the story epic because that's the standard that we're setting on this show but then also I want to say we have Dr. Todd on this show coming in after this to answer a bunch of our medical questions. We're getting a house call from a doctor because we don't go to doctors to doctors we get doctors to come in studio well that's exactly right
2: and that that's a good segue into what i am experiencing today which is the reason that i don't go to a doctor now the two of you or the three of you with rick you guys don't go to a doctor because you're lazy or ignorance is bliss or it's just an inconvenience or you, you just don't feel how do you ailment. know
1: why i don't go to a doctor you tell me why I'm lazy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And so so for me, it's it's not as much about that, but rather I don't go to a doctor because the last time I did, I was told by the physician and by the head of the health system that I am no longer welcome back to this physician's office Dude, ever I be- again.
1: I don't know why, but I believe it. I uh, I'm... I'm really curious to hear what you did here, and how you think it's appropriate. Yeah,
3: I'm not surprised. I'm curious though. So I'll tell you.
2: I had a really bad sore throat, really hurt to swallow, and I went in to. How old are you at this point? Sorry, how this, old? This, this is this one, recent? No, this was. Uh, I was like three years ago. Okay. So went in to my physician and saw her explained the ailment, she did a, a strep culture, came back negative, wasn't strep throat, thought it was a bacterial, trying to figure out a bacterial, viral, whatever. So she gave me a prescription uh, to help with the sore throat, okay? So I go home, There was it was a five-day uh, prescription. I take the pills and it, it gets better, but then at the end of, of the fifth day, it just it's lingering again and it's almost getting worse. So it's clearly not working. So I call the doctor's office and I said, hey, you know, I'd love for the doctor to call me back. I've been on uh, this medication. It's not really working. I'd love to just figure out a course of action moving forward. They say, okay, great. We'll have her call you back. So don't hear back from her. So then I send her an email and I say, hey, doctor, yesterday was my last day on the z pack yet in the past couple of days I've developed a head and sinus cold that's really knocked me out. I was relieved that my throat was getting progressively better. And then all of a sudden today, it's back to being really sore and it hurts to swallow. I'm not sure what the best course of action is here. Is it to get another ZPAC prescription?
3: And they said, dear Mr. Ryan, we cannot cure high maintenance. Thank you. <laughs>
2: no, I'll tell you what they did. I sent that email. A day, the entire day goes by. I don't get a reply back from, from how, my doctor. How dare they? I've already put a call in the previous day. So now it's two days. A phone call and an email, no response. The following day, it's getting worse. I can barely swallow at this point and I need, I i actually need help. So I call the doctor's office for a second time and I say, hi, I called two days ago. You said the doctor was going to call me back. I've not gotten a return call. I've sent a follow-up email. I've not gotten a response to the email. I'm now calling a second time. I need I need her to call me back. I need to know, do I need to come in again? Does she need to refill the z PAC prescription? What What do I need to do? They said, we're so sorry. We'll absolutely give the doctor the message. She'll call you back as soon as she's out with the current patient she's in with. So that was at 10 in the morning. The, that day goes by. No call. No call. No email.
3: That's unacceptable. Oh. This Because this is a medical issue and whether they think it's something or not you are cons- you are obviously concerned about it and i think it's their job to to not stress you out even more make you th- it,
1: that's exactly it does right. seem unprofessional yeah,
2: so here's what happens next 7 days later <laughs>
3: <laughs> are you still having trouble are you alive for 7 still? days no no at this point
2: at 7 days later i it all it cleared itself up and i just i went about my life it, it all Nature ran its course. It worked itself out. Luckily, Maybe that's
1: why they just let you go. Cause they're like, this thing's good. Listen run to this. Course. Listen yeah,
3: to but this. It's true. still unprofessional, but you know.
1: okay.
2: seven days later, I get an email back from the doctor. She says seven days later, Ryan, I apologize. I just realized I didn't respond. It's always good to call the office though. If you're not feeling better, I assume and hope you're doing better now. If not, I should see you again. Okay. Uh okay. So
1: I am Are you mad at the doctor? Here? I am furious. At the doctor At the or doctor at the, or the receptionist? At
2: the doctor who is saying A, I didn't respond, but it, in the future, you should call the office, not email me. Uh, I called twice.
1: Yeah, but you didn't talk to her. You talked to somebody else. So right, it, so you it's don't know not
2: that his or her. That you, is not my problem. I did
1: call. Like I've done everything on my behalf. But can you be mad at the doctor when you, it wasn't the doctor that had the, anything to do with it? You're mad at the doctor you re, because
3: they're the head of the office. Is that what I'm? Is that you're right? mad at
2: the receptionist guys, for not passing on the message? Guys, she is passively aggressively telling me I should have called. I called twice and emailed and got no response from three different. Outreaches.
3: That is absurd, Ryan. So we we think it's best if you didn't come back to the podcast. So let me tell you. (laughs)
2: Let me tell you what I did. I was so angry and annoyed in this moment. Was that immediately, (laughs) immediately within a minute of getting that email Mm. from her, I
1: sent left a bad review on Yelp.
2: I sent a response to her. I changed the subject to auto response. Mm. The subject was strep throat, and I changed it to auto response colon strep throat. And then I immediately responded. Strep throat in your colon? Is that even a
4: thing? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I love that you said it.
1: Sorry, this is a big life issue for Ryan. Yeah, I
2: apologize. <clears throat> Sorry. I, I immediately respond with the auto response. And I say, this email is no longer active. Ryan passed away last week due to complications from strep throat. Memorial services are being planned. Oh and the family asks you send donations to the strep throat awareness fund in lieu of flowers. <laughs>
1: Ah! that okay oh, that God. that is have uh, you ever in your life been called petty
2: so let <laughs> oh me God. tell you oh, buddy. let me tell you buddy. the the you gotta, you chain of events your,
3: you gotta get your balls checked dude that was some serious oh, oh, ballsy move thank you so well, that's not what i
2: meant. after this that day i get a call from a woman how who says, you're dead listen to this oh. i get a call in my cell It was actually the following day, and the woman says, Hi, uh, Ryan, my name is Mary So-and-so. I am the head of X University Health System. I'm the head president of the health system. And I said, Nice to meet you. She said, We have a major issue, sir. I said, Yeah, I think we do, but what's your issue? And she said, Well, uh, it's been brought to my attention and the general counsel of our uh, health administration that... An email was sent on your behalf to your doctor. And I And you said so now you're checking your emails? Thank you. And she says, "Well, I said that's correct." And she said, "Well, we let me tell you what happened after your doctor received that email." Oh. She was catatonic. She broke down into tears, almost had a mental breakdown, canceled all of her appointments for all of her patients for the next 2 days. And what? And genuinely believe that she failed as a physician and lost one of her patients due to her negligence. And that is all because of you sending the email that you sent, which you probably thought was funny, but I'm here to tell you, it is absolutely not funny.
1: How did that feel to hear that?
2: I said, well, I, I feel awful that she, that she is so upset by thinking that her negligence could have cost one of her patients their lives and let let this be a lesson to you. It was seven days after she decided to email me and say in the future I should call. Well, did you check your call logs? Yes, sir. We actually did. And we do see that there are records of your calls and our receptionist uh, informed, but the doctor and she forgot to call you back one of the times and the second time she admittedly did not relay the message. Okay. And then she said, She proceeded to lecture me, and I said, let me stop you there, Mary. (laughs) The issue I have Can we say
3: dick on the podcast because you're such a dick. (laughs) I said, the issue I have
2: here is this. The doctor is an intelligent person. I said, did you read the email? You're an intelligent person too. Did you read the email? Do you think that upon passing away within hours, the first thing that my closest loved ones and my wife and everybody decided to do was- Oh, my God, we're grieving Ryan's death, but we should get onto his Gmail and put an auto response on there to make sure anyone that emails donates to the Strep Throat Awareness Fund, which, by the way, Mary, I don't believe that exists. It's not like the uh, most ridiculous
1: <laughs> fund. So, but knowing you... Knowing you, it's possible that you have 15 of these emails already cooked up for anything in case you do pass away.
3: Wait, the staff isn't a real thing? The strep throat awareness fund? I said,
2: (laughs) and my family is asking to donate to the fund in lieu of flowers. And by the way, that I died from complications due to strep throat. I don't have a medical degree. That's all up to you
3: guys. But like, pretty sure you can't die from strep throat. And. Let's not miss the obvious here. Anyone that knows you knows that you would insist that you get flowers rather than some yes. donation, yeah, you yeah. want a gift. and my for love
2: sure. language
1: Mary, is gifts, okay yeah. <laughs> and so is my death language <laughs> what what is it called? um, he's probably got his own uh what's it called uh in the paper. Obituary. You probably have you written your own obituary in case you do pass. That you're just like you have it in your will or your trust or something. That and he's picked out the picture. Yeah, he has got it's a glam shot. This is my (laughs) good side. It's been touched up. Yeah, I'm wearing the Gavin deGraw merchandise. (laughs) Yes. So this this really so basically when you talk to this Mary, you're basically like you're welcome.
2: Yes, I said you
1: you you did them a good service I said, in your Let mind. Let
2: this be a lesson to you, and, and and obviously in the way I'm telling it now, it comes off as being condescending. But I said not at all. There's a, there's a very good chance I could have died.
3: <laughs> no, nope.
1: and are I'm you not. facetious? He's like not. I am in the right here? Are you <laughs> sure? sure. How about this? She canceled two Ooh. days of appointments. Those are people that were actually yes. sick. That could have had something serious happen to them. Yeah. And did you apologize for that? Did you say, I'm sorry, or did you just go, you're welcome?
2: No, I said, the doctor is a very intelligent person. She went to undergrad and medical school. I find it hard to believe that she did not implement a single shred of common sense into this equation to deduce that, well, even if I have a question as to whether this is a legit email, why don't I call him and see if that's the case Because you're now. dead
3: yeah and by the way and,
2: and and to that like mary called me why is she calling a dead guy if you really thought i was dead why are you calling Well, my because
3: mary saw right through your ruse yeah. by the way in, in your defense in ryan's defense they say that strep throat is a child's disease and you certainly acted like a
1: child <laughs> <laughs> so hold on i'd like to know what our listeners think of this because i think it's pretty apparent that I don't think Dmitri and I would go that route. In fact, I don't even know how to change that thing on my email, whatever you're talking about. So and I couldn't I've never, even.
3: I've never thought about faking my own death just to stick it to somebody. Well,
2: at the end of this all, it concluded with me demanding an apology, Mary being unwilling to give me one. <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, a, a Mary off. saying, well, uh, you know, we've talked internally and had numerous board meetings and decided collectively uh, that you are no longer welcome back. In this health system and at this doctor's office. So,
3: And how about this? As it's caused a chain of events, you have not been to the doctor in three years. This whole thing is having a ripple effect, which means you will probably die sooner than you need to because you refuse to go back to another doctor. So or that, or you're banned from uh, every doctor everywhere. We have a Are medical you, malpractice suit on our hands, don't we? Oh, I don't think
2: we do. I Are you blacklisted
1: lotion. amongst doctor's offices? Uh,
2: no, I actually...
1: I feel like this isn't the first time you've been Let me tell you, me tell you how somewhere. I've
2: remedied it i got this app called one medical which allows me to whenever i'm feeling an ailment of any sort i can hit the app facetime with a physician from around the country within two minutes tell them what's going on i have a sore throat this is blah 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 and they say great your your pharmacy cvs on this on sepulveda i'll call on a z-pack right now within Seven minutes, I have a prescription called in, and I don't have to leave the house and deal with someone who's gonna just
3: so they just disregard
1: prescribed you what she prescribed
3: being. you, right? Yeah, exactly. I imagine you have to use some code name and not your
2: real name on this app. I wear one of those glasses things with the fake nose and mustache,
3: okay? And now, listen to me, and I mean this, this is from all of us, This is from Brooks, Gavin, Rick, and myself. We have a doctor coming in today, Dr. Todd. You better be on your damn best behavior when he comes in here. We don't need you
2: we so will throw in, you out
3: yeah. i i worry that there's like an uh,
2: america's most wanted type like flyer that's gone out in the physician community with my face on it that like he's going to walk in here and immediately just know that i'm that guy and walk immediately out. i'm afraid my doctor is going to find
3: out that i'm on a podcast with you and stop serving me
1: yeah. <laughs> i'm afraid that you pulled this whole stunt to possibly get some flowers <laughs> <laughs> Back from break, and I'm super excited because none of us, we've talked about this, none of us like going to the doctor. Um, I haven't been to the doctor. I literally haven't been to the doctor since I was released from the Kings. Uh, but we have a doctor in studio with us because none of us yeah. want to go, so we brought one That's here. Right. Woo, we house have call. Doc, house call for Dr. Todd. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome Sweet. to How Men Think. And when I first see you, Todd, I think, dang, that guy should be a football player because he's... I I wish I had your size, but um, he is a doctor, and we're going to ask you a ton of questions. You're going to give us um, some overview on some things we're dealing with, but for our people listening, can you please give them uh, a little bit of your history in the medical profession?
5: Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, Yes, I am quite large for a a (laughs) doctor. In fact, when I was in medical school, I'm sort of the orthopedic mold, so they would always shuffle me off to the orthopedic surgeons to go do whatever they did, which is fixing bones and joints, typically in athletes. But I I never really had an interest in that. I was much more interested in the human part of medicine and the cognitive part of medicine, which is what I ended up doing, which is family medicine. So I trained inside of family medicine, and really that is a Swiss Army knife of medicine. We take care of about 90% of the problems that come into the office, about 10% of the things we have no idea about, and that's what we refer to specialists for. Specialists, on the other hand each deal with their own little world of medicine and have no idea what the other 90% is doing. So we work in between all of those different fields. And that that's what I've done for the last 20 years of my career. And uh, So this it,
3: is perfect. You know a little bit or a lot about everything because we know li- a little bit about nothing. So we really need you to, <laughs> to tell us a little something about everything.
5: Correct. I am the educated version of what, quote, they, quote, say <laughs> <laughs> I like it so we're all
1: going here we got four guys here we're going through four checkups right now here's my first question to you cuz I I don't even know this my whole life I've been on sports teams we had doctors and physicians and everybody in our locker room I've been out of the NHL now for a year and a half and I haven't seen one doctor how many times or when should I go to the doctor how many times a year what doctor do I go to I don't even have a doctor since I've been done with the King, so can you please advise me on how many times a year I should be coming to see you?
5: Sure, Um, well that that is a very good question and I think that there's a lot of different people who have stakes in that answer. One of them are the primary care provider organizations like the American Medical Association that wants people to come into the office, they think that's the best place to anticipate problems perform primary care deal with current issues, and they would say, come in once a year. Once a year, okay. Um, The truth is, is when we look at the evidence in long-term studies, we're not 100% sure as a medical community that that really changes outcomes. We do think that there are certain screening procedures done at at, at different intervals that might change outcomes. For instance, colon cancer screening. We recommend that for everybody starting at age 45.
4: I'm 45 and a half. Yeah, it used to You're be 50. Half year behind. Should we R- do it row. today? It used to be, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> R- rip the band-aid off. <laughs> yeah.
5: Right. Well, it used to be 50, it used to be 50, then it got changed to 45. So that's a perfect example or prostate cancer screening. Lots of guys don't like to go to the doctor.
1: No. Nope.
5: No. no. Yeah. So lots Which of people one? are wor- prostate cancer screening. So there's a lot of debate about these things, but but the reason my point is maybe coming in once a year would be a reasonable cadence in a person, let's say over 35 years of age. And let's say, under 50 um, to come in once a year to talk about these guidelines, to talk about what's out there, maybe say,
2: hey, there's something new in my family history. So I think once a year would be reasonable. And what quick is the- question, it, it, if it's once a year, is that even if you feel perfectly fine, you, you're healthy, there are no ailments? Because to speak to what you were saying at the beginning, is that not, I've heard that the insurance industry is in the state that it's in because people come in too often and that's driving up, you know, it, it just becomes a huge nightmare where people are coming in when the, when it's unnecessary. Yeah. So that's
5: a great question and there's really two different answers to that. One of them is a population-based answer, which is if we're tra- talking about the US population versus are we talking about you? Yeah. W- what do you want? If do you want, you know, the best possible outcomes for yourself? Do you want a lot of supervision or you know, when we say look we're going to prevent five cases out of 100,000, you know, do you want to be one of those cases that's not prevented because you weren't there? It's sort of what your approach is, and do you play the statistics, and how do you think about things? What is your level of anxiety? But I usually tell people that most people don't see a doctor very often between 17 and 35. The last visit is when their mom takes them in before they go to college, and the first visit is right after they get engaged. And that's, you know, so, and then, so there is a big bald spot in there where doc patients don't really, people don't come in to see the doctor. Once they come in, it's sort of a slow ramp up. And then usually around 45 or 50, the wheels start to fall off the wagon. They don't feel good. They're on a hike somewhere. They start to feel terrible and they come in and say, what's wrong
3: with me? Well, Ryan's anxiety level is off the charts, so he should go in like every
2: yeah. three months. Yeah. <laughs> you need like, is that? I
3: don't ever see a doctor, but I've we been should,
1: labeled the anxious guy in the group. So. We almost need to take a break just so you can have like five minutes with him <laughs> right. just to, to do something on him well, right now. I have now. a question
3: about the, the, the prostate exam. Is yeah. that, are we talking about the finger? Is that what you were referring to when Amy asked if we've ever had it?
5: Uh, well, that that's a good question. Is that, that's my question. Is that, the, well, is that really that, the only way to check? So it's really it's really not a great the truth is is digital rectal exams are not a great screening test for prostate cancer I mean I've examined who knows how many thousands of prostates and I have very rarely detected a primary prostate cancer through that exam now there are other things you might find on that exam like an enlarged prostate that's causing problems with urination you might hypothetically notice blood in a rectum that is you know maybe from uh, colon cancer or something related to that but you know, there's a lot of debate about uh, prostate cancer screening, and without getting into the specifics of that, ultimately what we talk about is when, we, when patients come in, we make a decision about prostate cancer screening based on lots of things, including age, per- personal preference, family history, risk factors, et cetera. And so not everyone needs to come in and, and have a digital rectal exam.
3: Because I can tell you, I have had that exam. and The finger? Um, yeah. I have had it, and... Um, I gotta tell you, it's 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 not it's uncomfortable. But funny story was, you know, I've actually had it a couple times, um, all at doctor's appointments.
2: Dimitri gets it weekly. Is that yeah, weird? Is that, hey, <laughs> hey, better safe than sorry. Am I right? No. But I, so I went and I had it done,
3: and then I I hadn't gone back to the doctor in like two and a half years, and I was like, oh, so I knew I had to do it, have it done again. And then while I was there, the doctor walks in, and I just you know I look at him, you know, in the face. He walks in, and all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, oh, look at him, he's gained a little bit of weight, and I'm like. And oh, I looked down I'm and his swelling. hands were bigger too. His fingers were bigger. Oh, and I was like, and I got all nervous, man. And so at that <laughs> point, so I've never cared about the size of a doctor until I had to start getting that exam. So I was wondering if we could do like, a, there should be like a Tinder for doctors where they just show their hands and you can swipe left <laughs> or right and then you can figure out which one's going <laughs> to, yeah. no, I no one else. There, was
4: there a way to do that without getting the finger?
3: Well,
5: yeah. So there are blood tests that you can screen pretty well for prostate cancer. But again, they cause quite a bit more anxiety, we think, than prevention of disease. So we we try to be careful when we order those tests, who are ordering them in, how often. There's a lot of nuance to it. But again, this is an, a perfect reason why... Everybody is afraid of going to the doctor in their 40s because they think some guy with big hands like me is going to put it up their butt and they're going to be super uncomfortable and they're going to forget everything else that happened in there and they're forget everything else they wanted to ask because they were so worried about this exam. I
3: blacked out for 3 days. That's right. <laughs>
4: well then that that is my biggest fear and that's why I don't want to go get that, that yeah. test. Rick, you're 45 want... and a half, you're a half year behind. Yeah. I, I would go. say
5: that it would be totally reasonable to go into a doctor's office and say, "I do not have a family history of prostate cancer. I have no urinary symptoms. I would prefer not to have this exam. Let's talk about it."
4: That's a great. So thing
1: here's you. my question then.: So it's a game changer. I'm 36 years old. I'm a very active, I believe, healthy male, but I'm, I'm also not arrogant enough to think that there might not be something going on in me that I don't know. So if I come in to visit you or in, come into a doctor's office, I don't feel like just talking. Yeah, I feel phenomenal. I feel fantastic, better than I ever have in my life. But I think that is setting me up for a massive failure. Like what kind of tests, um, what, as a 36-year-old male, what, what might I be susceptible for? What is on the radar that we want to test for? What does a doctor's office appointment look like for me? Yeah. Because I don't want to just say I feel great, and then you go, okay, we'll see you in a Brooks, year. Brooks, are, are you trying
4: to get, like, the full body checkup? I, I don't even like, know. Like, I, I don't right. know. I've like, never is there had... A, th- is, like, I always have this imagination of having, it, like, a, a scan that you just go in, and it does everything. I think that's like, only in Star I think, Trek. I don't think that's a real... <laughs> yeah, what movie were <laughs> you watching last night? Um,
1: we had to do full medicals at the start of every hockey season. So at training camp, the first day of training camp was full medical evaluation. Um, and you weren't allowed to participate the next day in the actual on-ice activities unless you passed your medical. So that was my yearly checkup. And then we had access to amazing physicians, doctors all year long, where if something was wrong, they would have caught it mm-hmm. on me. Now mm-hmm. I don't have that team around me, those people around me, and I haven't been to the doctor for a year and a half. So my fear is though I might feel physically exceptional and healthy, there might be something persisting that I'm not aware of. Exceptional. You had to. You couldn't say just uh, pretty good. You know what? <laughs> Upside down.
4: Doctor <laughs> yeah. <sure>. Todd. <laughs> he
2: works out a, a couple times a week for 30 minutes. And he like that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's not really. His thing. He goes. I'm not arrogant. 30 seconds later, I feel physically exceptional.
2: <laughs> As he <laughs> was. That's the. <laughs> I'm, I'm a specimen, specimen, caressing his I own may. abdominals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what? What am I looking for when I come in there? So I think
5: you would. You are a fit person, you are a healthy person, you've had a lot of access to great health care over the years, good food, Um, you probably didn't have a lot of horrible childhood illnesses because of vaccinations, probably where you grew up, I'm just assuming Mm -hmm. lots of things. But just based on how you look right now, I would say it's not urgent to go running into a doctor and say, you know, help me, help me, help me. However, it would be reasonable to go through things like family history. You know, talk about whether you have a history of coronary disease. Are there bad habits that you're involved with that you want to learn how to think differently about? Um, it might be worth, at your age 35, looking at cholesterol, blood sugar. Um, for most people, not yourself, but looking at body habitus Are they overweight? Are they underweight? What are the issues around that? So, you know, not necessarily speaking to you, but speaking to the whole world. And again, this is a little bit different than the way that I practice in a very small practice is that it's an opportunity to have conversations about things that you may not even be thinking about the unknowns, the unknown unknowns, you know, the things that aren't even in your sensorium yet. Um, And is it urgent? No. Is it something that could be done once a year? For sure. And that's typically what would happen for someone your age. And, and, you know, it might just be nagging stuff like... um, you know, maybe you had a lot of concussions during hockey and you're concerned about what that means for you and how do you think about that? What does it mean for your family? What does it mean for your future? Those would be reasonable conversations. Okay.
1: Okay. So we have a question here. I'll, I'll be the sacrificial lamb that reads it. <laughs> it, says, um, it says Brooks's question. I mean, yeah. <laughs> of course you should read it. <laughs> um, this is a, a question that I've had actually conversations with people before on, but how many times a day. Is it healthy to be going to the bathroom? And by the bathroom, I don't mean a pee. I mean, some people, I have friends, I played with guys that took a crap. Let's just say it took a crap once a day and I couldn't believe it. Uh, and myself, I am a lot more than that. Upwards of five to six times a day. A day? True, Are you serious? He's gone three times since we started the story. podcast. <laughs> so, so I've had varying, I've had a lot of people say that that's abnormal. Is that abnormal? I eat a lot of vegetables, though. Eat a Still lot of like vegetables. Six full sessions a
3: day. Mm-hmm. Like you're not talking like oh I, no, ooh, no I no, have to no, like... go a little bit sh- 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 full. Wow.
4: Jeez. So yeah. I'm lucky to get one. <laughs> <laughs> what? Are you really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so wait. Like, I mean, I mean, what lucky, is a healthy? But, like, I can go a, like not. I can skip a day, and then definitely go the next day. But I'm basically once a day. My
1: juicer spits out less than you. How's that possible?
4: <laughs> uh, maybe that's a reason too. Because I I
1: juice like i make my own like um, organic cold pressed juices at home yeah. and so that you drink that and poof, that's going through you uh, but i eat but a lot what of would vegetables be a, what's that i eat a lot of vegetables
3: zucchini sticks don't count <laughs> <laughs> why are
1: rick and i so different in that
5: so i would say that there's there's everybody's a little bit different and everybody's gi tracks are are different but the primary issue i would say would be nutritional meaning the type of food that you're eating and then the second is everybody has what's called the gastrocolic reflex, meaning when food gets into your stomach, the, your, your stomach is gastro and colic is colon and there's a reflux that, reflex, not reflux, reflex that when the food hits your stomach, it, it relaxes your colon and it, you move your bowels and you go to the bathroom really to clear out room for that food that's coming down sounds like you have a more pronounced gastrocolic reflex than someone like yourself. But, you know, I would say once a day is normal. Five times a day would probably be on the high end of normal. If you said to me, look, I'm having cramps and abdominal pain and bloody diarrhea and I, I, it's a nightmare for me. That's a whole other issue. But if you're like, look, I feel great. I have five, four bowel movements a day. I'm not losing weight. There's no blood in my stool. Everything seems this is just the way I've always been. That's normal for you. If you say, look, I, I feel fine, and I have one bowel movement a day, and that takes care of business. Sometimes I skip a day, and the next day I go a little bit more. That's also fine. Um, but there are certain medical conditions that we would think of it with really abnormal patterns of bowel movements, but those are typically painful diarrhea, blood, etc., often associated with weight loss, weight maybe weight gain. Mm.
1: So I have none of that.
3: Good. You just have six really healthy bowel movements a day. You, you poop six times a day. You work out six times a day. Rick poops not once
2: in a day. It doesn't work out <laughs> in a day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no,
3: he considers the, the bathroom working out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah, exactly
1: so we can we have another question uh i want to welcome to the show for his first ever appearance on the show we have brett with us today
4: welcome Brett. what's
2: up brett so brett is my friend his baby brother is wells adams from the bachelor and he's the bartender on the bachelor and brett and i this sounds intimate but we have vacation together and that is how i learned about brett's very fascinating issue so i Asked him if he would open up about it Because I think he's not alone And I also think we can Dare I say cure him
1: Okay Brett welcome to the show brother
0: Well thank you just really quickly I just want to get off In regards to going to the doctor once a year What type of doctor is that If I'm saying okay I haven't been in five years Who am I looking to go see
5: I would say that would be a primary What would be referred to as a primary care doctor Usually internal medicine or family practice Okay
1: um, thank so, you. I needed to know that. That was, that, that was we, <laughs> that was <laughs> the problem? Can we, can
3: we, let's yes. make Brett feel safe as he's about to really open up. Well, Ryan can.
1: always says it. This is the trust tree. Is This, yeah. this is a yeah. safe place. Let me just okay. check before we, we start. We to Ryan. About Brooks, that. do you have to go drop a deuce? Are you good for a little I'm while? i not far. <laughs> okay. Usually around 4 <laughs> o'clock. <somewhere> around. <laughs> We're way past that. <laughs> that's a good segue
0: because <laughs> what my issue is, and a lot of it is in my head, but I have to always be somewhere where I know there's a bathroom around. I constantly, if I'm on a plane, if I'm in a car, if I'm in a house, if, wherever I am, I have to know that I can get to a bathroom and it's a head game because I can go to the bathroom and, and I'm talking going number one. Um, uh, I can go to the bathroom like I did five minutes ago and I'm already thinking how long am I going to be here? And if I have to go, what's my exit strategy? I also do that with going number two as well, but not as much. It is, is mostly the, I've got to go pee and, and, and how can I get there and make sure there is a pathway for me to get
1: there.
5: Okay. So is your question, what's wrong with me? Is this normal or?
1: I I have a question. Yes. Did you pee your pants as a kid one time and were ostracized by it or something and it scarred you? I don't think I peed my pants. I'm sure growing up, I probably peed in my bed, you
0: know, you know, going through potty training or something, but I don't think I've ever
1: had, there's no like magnificent moment that you're like, no, that, I don't I had think to have a bathroom. you know, I've,
0: I've been
4: drunk a couple times and you know, yeah, but Brett, I mean, I, I mean, just to make you feel comfortable. I mean, I, that goes through my mind as well too. And, and I don't know how old you are, but I'm 45 and a half, but yeah. I think not maybe as much as you do about that but like I'm flying back tonight so like I'm thinking okay well I have to go before I get back in, in the car and then when I get to the airport I gotta go okay I'm gonna go check in I'm gonna get my ticket and then I'm gonna go to the bathroom and then I'm gonna go through security and I'll probably have to go to the bathroom after that what? I, I do the same thing to Dude, be honest what? On, I, 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 I'm like sure. the same I'm, thing I'm like it, I treat it'll happen like, to you Brooks don't worry are <laughs> you losing <laughs> control of it? I true
3: no I treat myself like a 5 year old though. I'm like okay I should go before I leave the house. And then when I get somewhere I'm like I should probably go now just in case I can't go later. Same and here. Then-
4: and like to me not to take away from that but like I feel I want to be on the plane and I want to be comfortable and I'm thinking to myself well I'm going to fall asleep on the way home on the airplane. So but I want to I I need I don't want to have to go to the bathroom cuz then I'll have to get up Go to the back of the plane, go to the or back if, and come back in.
0: Or if you're on the plane and it gets
4: delayed and you haven't gone, then you're stuck because you're on the tarmac and you
0: can't get up. Yeah. Then I start to yep. freak out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This so, is, this is you know what's then, really interesting about this? This is the most anyone has ever sounded like Ryan. <laughs> well, <wait laughs> doesn't, oh, doesn't Rick sound hey, like Ryan right yeah. now?
3: Wait uh, till you hear this. Sometimes when I pee... I turn around and I wash my hands and something about the water hit my hands. I got to pee again. So then I turn around and I pee and I wash my hands again. So I'm doing like double sets. It's like you used to work out twice. During, Dr. Todd's just double laughing over me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Dr. Todd has they left they the building. These are all. <laughs> we're all 45. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. This is uh, this is a greatest hits of, of male
2: urinary complaints in midlife. <laughs> let me ask you, do you guys, because I think that it's crazy. I'm kind of aligned yeah. with Brooks on this. Do you get up multiple
3: times in the middle of the night
1: to go pee? Yes.
3: You do. No. I'll once. get up at, l- at least once, sometimes twice.
1: Have you guys ever Just once? you guys ever like looked into diapers? <laughs>
3: Just in case. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. Just wondering, Mister Six Deuces a Day. Let's not let's not throw stones <laughs> in bathroom houses, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so Outhouse what, what nice. can
1: what can we really do about Brett's question? Like,
5: right. So this so this is a what would be a primary care question at least to get started. I don't think you necessarily need a subspecialist yet, which would be a urologist, someone who works in the genital, urinary tract, kidneys, bladder, penis, etc. But this, you know, most of the time when people come to me with this complaint, there's two components to it. Some, some people have a little bit more irritability in their bladder and the, their bladder fills up and they, they, they're sensitive to it and they feel this urge to pee. And everybody's bladder tone is a little bit different. There are other people who have a lot of bladder irritants in their diet. I'm not casting any stones here, but those are things like tobacco, alcohol, caffeine is the biggest offender, spicy food, or even just high volume hydration. I mean, a lot of people like Brooks who are working out a lot are probably pounding water. And there are other people who are like, you know, drinking bulletproof coffee and then pounding water. And then they're having wine and they're having spicy, you know, soup or whatever it is for lunch. So there's just a lot of liquid volume, a lot of of bladder irritants. So that would be the first place that I would look. The the second place, and again, this is not something that we see until later on, would be prosthetic hypertrophy. That's when you see the commercials about the guys who are at the football game and everybody's running to the bathroom and they're looking up at the scoreboard trying to figure out how much time is left. And there are the prostate is basically a smooth muscle, muscle gland that surrounds the neck of the bladder in men. And as that enlarges, it can be ca- cause that type of irritability and urinary urgency and frequency that that you're, it sounds a little bit like you're having. But I, I typically start with what's going into your body, in, in particular, the type of liquids and hydration.
2: Is the saying th- it's not a going problem, it's a growing problem? <laughs>
5: <laughs> um, uh, what?
2: that's on the commercial. Uh, oh, it's I got a going problem. I think it's, it's a growing, a growing
5: problem. problem. Yeah, Correct. Uh, yeah. I think his might not be a growing problem. It might be a going problem,
0: but it also could it be a total head game. Mm-hmm.
5: Well, you know, there are, I might be speaking a little out of school. So some of my urologic colleagues would take, Uh, take exception with this off. Uh, uh, Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) They love that. When you (laughs) say that, don't be pissed off at me. Um, But uh, I think that there is a, um, a psychological component to it as well, because it's a behavior. So we feel this irritability and it's like, it's sort of like holding your breath. When you talk to people who get really into prolonged breath holding as an exercise, they get to a point where 30 seconds feels really long. And then they go past that. And they're like, wait, I'm still here nothing has happened and then they can kind of condition themselves to go longer.
1: I have a question for you, Brett. Is this, is this show up? Does this show up anywhere else in your life? Like, uh, you're terrified of being late or you're ter- Like, is there anywhere else where some sort of fear like this shows up that maybe it's not actually a health problem. It's just like you said, possibly a mental problem.
3: Uh,
0: no, I would say no to that. I mean, I'm pretty OCD. I am always early. I'm, I'm very, I'm a punctual person, mm-hmm. but it's, I don't think it, that has anything to do with, with those any other correlation. No, it's no. just. I think it's a head game. I mean, yes, I'm I'm older. I'm I'm going to be 48, so I am on the older spectrum, um, and something that probably is going to the prostate is going to to start to change or has already changed, and I'm already in that. Um, n- maybe need medication, but I also think a lot of it is head game because I'm sitting here right now and as I'm talking, I'm not thinking about going to the bathroom because I'm in conversation, but the moment I'm not doing this, then my mind immediately goes, okay, is there a bathroom by and how how am I going to get out of this situation if I need to go to the bathroom?
1: Will you mark the bathrooms as soon as you enter a new room? Oh, like will you be like okay? i have gonna do a lap here. Yeah, yeah, not marked like, yeah, well, yeah, mark like a dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you, if you, want you want enter you like a new like this house, right? <laughs> yeah. So you enter this house. Are you are you gonna cut a like a hot lap and be like okay one two? Kn- there's kn- three bathrooms. I found out immediately when I got in here where the bathroom was. Really? Yes. And that will you go to a restaurant? That'll be the same situation. Or? Well, I
0: know that I'm, if I'm in a restaurant, I know that there's a bathroom in there, so I know that I can get to it. So that's not it's not necessarily the pathway because from getting from point a to point b is not the issue it's just in my mind thinking you know i've got to have if like we were talking about earlier the airplane if if we're on a tarmac and you're not allowed to get up then i start to panic because how long am i going to be stuck on this tarmac if i have to go to the bathroom
2: tell the story how when we went on a walk so brett and i went on a walk we went from like maybe it was a mile walk from the country <laughs> club to the hotel.
0: Yes, and I stopped at the, <laughs> at the porta potty of a work site that I didn't belong in. That's all right. I know, but, I, but that, my mind was, okay, I've got a 20-minute walk. I'm not going to make it 20 minutes. And I saw the, the outhouse or whatever you call it, and I stopped there to go to the restroom so that my mind would be at ease that I'd make it all the way. Is it possible,
1: Dr. Todd, that he just maybe has a smaller bladder? Like, do men, some men have a bigger bladder and some have a smaller bladder? Well, there was a there was a Monty
5: Python skit about that from Live at the Hollywood Bowl where they do the, uh, it was a 100-meter dash for men with small bladders. And they, <laughs> they, they, they start the race and they're all drinking water and like every five feet someone peels off. And they're like, so-and-so's in first and he's back. And, you know, they kept changing, the lead kept changing because people had to run off to the bathroom in a 100-meter dash. So, you know, there are people who have different size bladders um, and we can measure that with an ultrasound. Um, I, I don't suspect that that's the issue here. You are uh, what we would refer to in medicine as well preserved. So 48, you look a uh, younger than your stated age, as we would say in the business. So I think that, you know, probably at 48 with these type of issues, I, I, it's not necessarily a call for medication, but there could be behavioral modification in particular around what you drink and how, when you drink it and changing sort of the input, like, you know, people can do pelvic floor, physical therapy, et cetera, to kind of retrain themselves out of this. But I I think that you're, you do have some bladder irritability, probably some prosthetic hypertrophy, and it probably is related to the volume and the, and the caffeine, alcohol, spicy food, whatever it is that you do. I don't know whether you do that or not, but I suspect that that type of stuff would probably be irritating
2: you. Brett, Brett, sorry, go ahead. Is it, True that you live in a one bedroom, 14 14-and-a-half bath. Oh. <laughs> 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 custom
1: built that one. <laughs> Tough to resell, but custom built. <laughs> no, I, no, I was going to
4: ask a question, Brett. Have you ever tried to fight it? Like uh, uh, this morning is a classic example for myself. Like I got up, I was I was at the gym at six o'clock, and I went and worked out. But before I stepped into the actual gym portion of it, I was like, "Oh, I should probably I should probably go to the bathroom," you know. And then I. Something else out. I went and brushed my teeth or something, and then I got into the gym, and I'm like, "Oh shoot!" Like I never went to the bathroom, and so I ended up working out for an hour. And then as soon as I started working out, it didn't even like didn't even phase me. I didn't even think about it. I didn't feel like the the pressure to go to the bathroom. But when I was done, then it, I got back into the locker room. I was showering, and it was like, "Okay, cool, done. Now I'll relieve myself."
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think I avoid it if I can yeah. solve the problem immediately. I solve the problem. Hence stopping at a porta potty but that was my whole
4: thing it was like i ended up i thought about it but then i was it either i got distracted by something else and then kept going and then through that hour of workout or whatever that time was i didn't didn't even bother me didn't even cross my mind didn't even feel it
0: yeah i mean Try it. i think i
4: yeah. should, I should i'm not my saying so something else well. I'm not saying get in your car and over. drive home for two hours and <laughs> and hold it.
1: <laughs> but get, you, get you in the traffic on the 405. Yeah, exactly. you know? that, that's a bad place. There yeah. like, oh, There goes. But the I do know yeah. that I can
4: pull over
0: if need be. I can pull over the side road or I can pull over to the gas station. So I always have that in my mind if I'm stuck somewhere. Okay. What is my what is my exit?
5: Yeah, typically, the biggest culprits that I see are soda. People drink a lot of soda and people who just super hydrate
1: and then people who drink a lot of coffee. That's, okay. That's Okay. We're going to move on from this one. Uh, Dr. Todd, I have another interesting question for you. Um, are cold showers better than hot? Does it matter? Cause there's, I, I'm always after performance. Like I'm always seeking better performance. And so I study and learn and read a bunch of different things. And there's a lot of discussion now, not only in wellness and in health, but in performance that cold showers are better than hot. Mm-hmm. Can you weigh in on this? So um, I have always wanted
5: to start a journal of anecdotal medicine, which is basically non-evidence-based medicine, things that people just say that are true. Oh. (laughs) And, you know, most of the things that we say are true, for instance, should I take cholesterol medication if I have high cholesterol? Those are backed up by huge studies that are randomized placebo-controlled studies where there's hundreds of thousands of people and we can look at outcomes. We don't have that kind of data with hot and cold showers, which one's better, which one's worse. Do they really improve performance? Do they really improve long-term outcomes? We don't know. Personally, myself, you know, I am very similar to you. I've always been an athlete. I've always been interested in performance. And so I'm constantly looking for things that are benign, me and they're not going to cause any harm that will actually make me feel better and maybe improve my performance. So recently, you know, so there's a lot of stuff, and maybe we'll get to it later in this conversation, that people are doing to improve performance, and You know, there are people who say, look, when I take a cold shower, it wakes me up. It gets my, you know, I feel like my immune function is better. It just sort of shocks me and stimulates me and I feel really good. I don't know if there's any real evidence to suggest that cold or hot showers are better. But I do find that, you know, people who ice after exercise, who, you know, as a hockey player, you probably know this. I played football. We iced all the time and it does improve, in my opinion, with it does improve recovery but
1: i don't truly know if it improves performance does yeah i i would sometimes do it too after a hockey game because the intensity level is so high um that i didn't want to add more heat to it your body temp is so high that i would take a cold shower to help me calm down and be able to sleep when i went home so i would for anybody listening i would sometimes do it later in the evening to to help myself calm down and then i could go to Bad, but I just wanted to see what yeah. you thought. There's that a lot topic. of
5: people doing that ice therapy where they're getting in ice tanks and cold. Baths. The cryotherapy yeah, right. thing, yeah,
1: yeah. We had cryos in our locker room. It, you guys ever done a cryotherapy? No. Oh, I them oh, oh, I
4: think
1: we're I think, we're, I think we're gonna go as a team. Yeah, I have a, yeah, I have a place we can go do it. Um, it's what fascinating.
5: kind of team are you guys on?
1: No, like a podcast team. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we're thinking we're, about, we're we're the we're we're team, of the old man team. Yeah. yeah, you. you, you we're do the podcast urinary team. Other people. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so it's a competition. Uh,
3: it's, ratings. Yeah. I got a question, Doctor yeah. Todd. Intermittent intermittent fasting yeah. is that's a big thing now. Yeah. Is that a legitimate thing, or is that so, like what's the deal?
5: Good question. Um, so the, so
3: intermittent fasting.
5: There's a, there's a lot of elements to this, and I'm, I could speak to this for a while because I get asked this question a lot, and I'm interested in it myself. Um, I think that for people who... You're, you really have to find out, again, what works best for you. Um, there are not a lot of huge studies out there that look at long-term data about inter, intermittent fasting. So again... There, is, there are small studies, I've read them, and I'm going to speak a little bit to that. So the, the idea behind intermittent fasting, if you just think about it from an evolutionary perspective, is there was very few times until the last 300 years where people sat down for three high caloric meals a day, right? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We like that. It's the way we behave. Um, you know, People always went to sleep when it got dark, and they always woke up when it got light. It wasn't the other way around. But there wasn't a lot of times where people sat down for three meals a day until recently. So the idea I think fundamentally behind intermittent fasting is that it mirrors more closely what we evolved to do more calories in a shorter period of time with lots of walking and exercise between.
1: So I have a thought on that too, cause I've looked into this as well. The reason well, a lot of people see results, immediate, very urgent results from intermittent fasting, um, They can lose 10 pounds in the first three weeks or something, and they'll swear by it. They say, this is amazing. Intermittent fasting works. But what you're doing is, as he said, there's a portion of the day where you are not allowed to eat, where you're not eating. And really what you're doing, if you were to just, what you're doing is uh, portion control, is essentially what you're doing. By restricting this time where you're not eating, it's just restricting portions, really. And so, as he said, there aren't studies that really prove it. If a person was to take that restraint and portion control into their standard diet, eating three meals a day, the results would probably be the same. So it's the jury's out on intermittent fasting. It's of course, if there's an area of the day, like if if it's all of a sudden only 16 hours of the day or eight hours of the day that you can eat, of course, you're going to lose weight. You just most likely are because you can't eat that much during that little amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just practice portion control in your regular diet, you would probably get the that's, same thing. Yeah. But it, I do feel better almost when I eat less during the course of the day when I'm highly active. I eat very little. I'll eat a big meal in the evening. I'll have a shake in the morning, sort of a shake around noon, like a little bit of fruit or something. Um, but I, I don't eat a lot during the day. But do so- I? 100% agree with intermittent fasting. I don't know.
4: Yeah, Dimitri, instead of getting the double double cheeseburger, just get the single cheeseburger. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Once, Once a day. day. But do it's I do so, so much, much
3: better? But then I get that four times a day? Yeah.
5: Yes. You <laughs> know, cut that into two. Yeah. And then you're fine. This is um, really confusing.
4: Dr. Todd, I have a question. Yeah. Are
5: There's there, a lot to say on that topic. We'll, we'll move on. Yeah. That yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Are,
4: are there okay. benefits or negative aspects to how we sleep, whether you're on your side, your back, your stomach? Um, well, what's your, another
5: good question. Um, I don't know if it really, if it really matters where you sleep, whether it's on your side, your back or your stomach, I think that the amount you sleep and the quality of your sleep is the most important thing. And you know what I, I think what I tell people is the the foundation of health is food, exercise and sleep. That's it. And mood is the sum of those three things. And it impacts all of those Mm. things. And sleep is super fundamental to to human function. there's There's a lot of good books out right now about sleep um, that are written for general population, not necessarily medical providers. And they go through the history of sleep, why we sleep, what's you know things that you know ambient and this and that that people take. but es- but essentially, I really like to see adults get eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. I don't care whether it's on their back, their stomach, or their side.
4: And does it matter at what time of day they get those eight hours of sleep? Um, well,
5: there's there is some thought that some people are night owls and other people are early risers. So the early risers, and you might see it in your own families. You might have, you know, three people in your family who just seem to go to bed at nine or ten o'clock and they wake up at five or six, and then you got one kid who's up till you know eleven, twelve o'clock at night and sleeps till ten in the morning. There is evolutionary. Components of that too, like the teenagers, they needed to stay up late so they could go out and make mistakes and screw around when all the mm. grownups were asleep. You know, <laughs> there was there was you know early risers and and night owls because th- that could provide the most coverage for us. You know, from protection from people trying to eat human beings. And so, every you you have to find your sleep pattern and stick to it. I think all of the travel that people do is really disruptive. All of the air travel, time yeah. zone travel. We did not evolve to do that. That's brand new. So, you know, people like going back and forth between all these time zones is really difficult on them. Sleeping in different places every night is really difficult.
2: I have a question on the the sleep topic, which is my arms constantly fall asleep because of the way I'm laying on them and while I'm sleeping. And I have... (laughs) Why do your arms have to stay up if you're asleep? (laughs) Pretty good, Dimitri. Uh, (laughs) Moving on. So... And I have friends that have experienced the same thing and one of my buddies was telling me that he basically has like fashioned himself a straight jacket of sorts because he's desperately trying to avoid having nerve damage and I don't know if that's a thing if you can actually have nerve damage if your arms are consistently on a nightly basis falling asleep but I every single night at least three times will wake up and I cannot I have no feeling in my left or right arm. So
5: that... Um, is that a new thing? Did that just start us up in your whole life?
2: No, I think it's the, no, it, it's within the past few years and maybe the way that I'm sleeping with my, one of my arms under part of my head, I guess. Yeah. I think that that's
5: probably it. It's positional and that when we are sleeping, our bodies are literally catatonic. They're paralyzed. And so if you fall asleep in a position where you have a compressed nerve that will ultimately fall, you know fall asleep, you'll get a, it's a little, it's a transient neuropathy, meaning the nerve is not working great for, you know, a few minutes until you shake it out and get some blood flow back to it. But I do not think it would cause permanent damage. If it were something, you know, there are people who have spinal stenosis, for instance, and laying in a certain position, they start to get pain in their legs. Or if they get cervical stenosis, they might get pain in their arms. So there's lots of different things that could be causing that. But if it sounds like if it goes away pretty quickly, you don't have any weakness or any other difficulty during the day, it's probably not a problem.
1: I I sleep on my back. So we, we'd we have, our team would have sleep doctors. We had sleep doctors that came in every year to talk to us, but I sleep on my back and tried to as much as possible. We were sort of advised on this. Why? I don't know why, but um, do you sleep on your side? You sleep, what do you guys do? I sleep on my side and I keep
2: a pillow in between. My legs, because I was told that it's actually more that. comfortable for yeah, me, and I, I was get told that. it's better for yeah. you too. Right? Ryan, Ryan actually has a nest that he. Is, I have is like complete. all four he, down pillows just around <laughs> me. One in my arms,
4: one in between my legs, one hovering in case one of those falls on the floor. <laughs> and then he has one of those masks and a cover to go over, like a helmet to wear to protect his hair. <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: so, so that is true. Dimitri, <laughs> how do you sleep? Uh, I honestly, I don't sleep well, um, but I. In terms of position, I move, I keep rotating all night long. Really? Mm-hmm. So I'm,
1: I'm on my back and I, I, can, my back. I can, a lot of nights I can fall asleep. The question here is, does it matter how we sleep? Um, I can fall asleep on my back and I'll wake up the next morning in the exact same position. Um, you which, probably changed a lot and made your way back to that position. Yeah, that's possible. Very possible. But um, we've talked about sleep on this show before. I think sleep... For me as an athlete, sleep was, the and I've said this, the number one thing that I prioritize in my life is sleep. And for people listening, if you want to be, if you just want, I think, overall wellness, mm-hmm. um, sleep will affect everything. So there's something called, you might have heard of this, Doc, um, the five factors of health. The five factors of health, there's a discussion around this, is how you sleep, how you eat, how you move, how you think, and the last one is how you connect with people are sort of the five overarching factors of health and wellness. And of the five, whenever I talk to people, I say sleep is the absolute most important. If sleep is in line, the next morning, how you think will be clear. You're probably going to make a better nutritional choice. You're probably going to move, and you're probably going to be more receptive to your wife or kids if you have adequate sleep. So sleep for me is the thing I prioritize the most. That's what I was
3: going to say. Dr. Todd, you said what, was, what were the three things that, that the sum is mood? Food, s- exercise, and sleep. Right. So, ladies, if your guy's being a dick, don't dump him. Just get him, tell him to eat get something, him to sleep, get him sleep, <laughs> and tell him to work out, and then give him a second chance. Don't just up and leave. <laughs> or a second opinion.
2: <laughs> okay, let's but let's I get I do, on. That. I
5: do really like those five fundamentals, and in, in some of the longitudinal studies about what really makes people healthy, I, I think we can human connection and the quality of the relationship. Massive. Yeah, I think. Um, there was a, a longitudinal study that, I, I think it was called, the The doctor's name was Valiant. He did it for years. He looked at data from Harvard that was collected from 1933 until almost 2000. Mm-hmm. And he um, he summed it up that the, the most important thing in, in successful human behavior was love, was the connections that we had to our family and to other people. And that's really what drove uh, Vitality.
1: Wow. It sort of goes in line, I asked- also heard a study about the um, the two fears that people have, and what you're saying speaks to this. The two fears that people have is, one, being ostracized from the group, and two, that they might get some physical harm, are really the only two fears that people have. And so the communal element of it, um, what you're saying, is, is love and connection is massive to, I think, overall wellness and health. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Rick just touched on it. Here's a question for you, Dr. Todd. Yeah. Do doctors get pissed like if i come in and say you give me an answer and i say i want a second opinion do doctors get pissed if we want a second opinion they shouldn't
5: um you know i think that you know one of the problems in medicine that i i like to refer to a lot is this you know th- these aren't my ideas this is carol dweck's ideas about growth and fixed mindsets and I think that a lot of doctors become fixed mindset people because they have to accept a paradigm and practice it, and when it gets challenged, it's very unnerving for them. But I think a good doctor who's a lifetime learner is someone with a real growth mindset who can look at these failures or challenges as an opportunity to learn. So I would say if your doctor does get pissed, it might be a good opportunity for you to look change, for another doctor. I, I, know, <laughs> I know
3: doctors hate when you say, I Googled something, that's for sure. But I once had a doctor snap at me because I, I guess I self-diagnosed. I went in and I was like, you know, Doc, my legs have been hurting. I, I don't know if it's a, um, if it's poor circulation. Why do you think it's poor circulation? I said, I don't know, I'm just guessing. He's, don't guess. And I'm like, well, that's why I'm here. Man. Like. That's only a function of time. I think if doctors, I think really
5: doctors don't have enough time to, in the old days where doctors saw you know four or five people a day and the problems were not quite as bizarre as they seem to be today. We didn't know as much, so there was simpler solutions. They had more time to talk. But now you know when you're seeing 25, 30 people a day, and a real smart guy comes in and wants to talk about his hypotheses that he got from Google Uh, you just don't have time to do it
3: you just call me a real smart guy yeah Yeah. was that a sarcastic (laughs) smart guy or like a real take take it how you want Dimitri air
2: quotations when he said it
1: (laughs) he did did lift his giant hands up and do his air (laughs) quotations (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Todd I appreciate your time Um, sure do do any you guys have I'm gonna come see you at some point (laughs) because does anybody else have any questions that they want one quick one okay I'm late I'm in my you know, mid forties.
3: Is there one food that I should like totally be avoiding or one food that I, that I should be trying to eat more often or just, you know, overall or health, like superfood yeah.
4: or gluten or whatever.
3: I would they avoid
2: say, anything Brooks is eating that makes you dump six times a day. But <laughs> yeah,
5: well, I would say without going in, this is another huge topic, but I would say that, uh, you know, eating whole foods and avoiding processed foods would probably be the number one rule. And, If you can avoid genetically modified foods, that's probably number two. And the question about gluten and all of these other hypersensitivities and autoimmune things that are coming from nutrition are because our bodies are seeing genetically modified foods that, that they just haven't seen in our evolution and it's causing inflammatory reactions. So I would say, if you can, try not to stay away from processed foods and try and be careful about genetically modified foods when you can. It's hard because everything has genetic modification in it. But to your point about gluten, the gliadin protein that's in wheat is is the classic genetically modified mm. protein that in order to provide nutrition for a huge growing human population. Wow.
4: So we can eat spam? <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dr. Nobody Todd, does,
1: Doctor Todd. I want to thank you so much for your expertise uh, and taking the time to come in to see us. Awesome, nurses, us awesome, awesome. You so thank yes. you so much. Thank for you very much. Love. Yeah, appreciate you. I feel better already. <laughs> so, Doctor Todd was awesome. And going back to the beginning of the show, Ryan, I just want to say, what did you think about our friend, Doctor Todd? That all doctors are not evil, as you had a connotation or perception of before. Does this? Does this Patch that wound a little bit. That there are doctors that do care about you, you sensitive soul.
2: Doctor Todd changed my opinion and a generalization that I had on physicians. That said, I am going to call him tonight and send him an email tomorrow. <laughs> no, no no no, back, no, no, con- no, no, no. You have no. You should have no contact you, with Doctor Todd unless it's hear, in this Dr. room. Doctor Todd, if you're listening, if I do not no. hear back from you, I tell you what, man, you're on the shit
3: list. No, <laughs> no, you know. Danielle, Amy, make sure Ryan does not get
1: Dr. Todd's info. We'd like to have him back. And no more faking your own death. Yeah, no more. Please, no more. Uh, But I hope this is able that Dr. Todd showed you that he does care about you. He loves you as his child. <laughs> he doesn't, hey, Gary way, doesn't even
3: remember your name. He's doc, just like, I was on this podcast. But ha- Dr. Todd was fantastic. He, he was cool. I'd like to have him back again. And by the way, Brett has been in the bathroom for uh, the last 30 minutes. Yeah. So we haven't seen him in a while. To but he's our number one guest.
1: <laughs> well, I want to thank Dr. Todd for coming. Uh, and we always appreciate your guys' questions. You have health questions. We'd love to have Dr. Todd back again. But if you have health questions, we can forward those to him. Get him back on the show. So you can email us men at iHeartRadio.com and find us on Instagram, How Men Think Podcast. Send us your questions there. Thank you, good sirs. What you and got, Dimitri? Check, check Gavin's tour schedule. We'll go see a show if he's near you. Yeah, this is my favorite part of the podcast—the
3: sign off from Brooks.
2: No, Here no, no. Go.
1: I'm not going to sign off today. I'm going to let you do it, Ryan. Remember it and remember: love one another, no protect one another.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> and don't don't fake your own, your own death. death. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey guys, it's Brooks. And one last thing before we let you go. If you like today's episode, we would love to get a five-star review from you on iTunes. And if you could possibly share it with a friend, that would be amazing as well. We always look forward to your questions, comments, or insights. So you can send us an email at men at iheartradio.com and also follow along with us on Instagram at how men think podcast.